Okay, I have big plans. Ready? I'm going to start baking. Oh, which means we have to start exercising more. Scratch that. I'm not baking. Why can't we bake more and exercise less? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Java the Hut. <laughs> Hello to you, and to you, and to you over there. Hello, Governor. It's kind of creepy. I can't actually see anybody except for Ben. So, anywho, yes, yes, this is... Gear, 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 gear. Related, gear, related, related. Welcome, welcome to a peek under the hood of the automotive repair industry. That's Benjamin over there. Hello. I am Heather. Over there. Over here. There's... Various and sundry cats absolutely wreaking havoc. I think somebody sprayed catnip. Yeah, if you hear some strange noises, just disregard. It's Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Yeah, so it's almost fall. Like, for reals. Yeah, like, like a couple days. People cannot be mad at, like, the pumpkin candles. And I, you know... No, you only get mad at the end when you have to rape. <laughs> oh, thank you. I just, this is my favorite. I'm going to do all the things, everything. I always say that though. And then I'm like tired and I, (laughs) (laughs) I'm too excited. I just will eat a fritter and drink some cider. That sounds really good. I'm going to do the things. You just wait and see world. We'll do a corn maze for sure. Oh yeah. Maybe. Haunted hayride. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. It's, it's outdoors. We need all the outdoor socially distanced. And we have a farm by us that does the corn cannon. The corn cannon. I mean, who doesn't like to shoot cobs yeah. of corn? And and we also own our very own PVC catapults. And if that's illegal in Ohio, I apologize. You it, guys are missing it is. out. It is. Just come over. Don't speed because you don't want to get pulled over. So go two under the speed limit to be safe. And come and catapult some gourds with us. Yeah. <laughs> People are just going to start knocking at the door. Hey, guys. Do you have cider? <laughs> and, and gourds. And gourds. I would like to drink my cider out of a gourd. That sounds delicious. Mm. Maybe, we please, should, please maybe we should get on get topic on here. on track. Oh, wow. <laughs> going down a real kind of slimy path that I don't want to go down. What are you going to tell us about today, Okay, so back in episode 35, we talked about some solid car companies with some not-so-solid ideas. Ooh, yeah, woof. So I thought it would be fun to revisit that because while we did cover, was it five? Yeah, and they were all from the 70s. Yeah, and I've got some that are from different time periods because <laughs> bad <laughs> ideas are timeless that, that's true they they are <laughs> and i wanted to talk some more about these okay cool so, i like this without further ado oh i give you our next set of solid companies awful cars Okay, now, one caveat right at the front. This first one I'm going to talk about, there could be an argument against the 
solid company. But for this first one, let's just agree that it was a solid company for the people in the country. <laughs> is this, it met is the this, needs of the people in their country. Is this like a cardboard box on like some bowling balls? Like, oh no. Okay. So our first one that I want to talk about is the Hugo. <gasps> Hugo, not Hugo. Hugo, Hugo. You could say it Nobody either way. Goes. Most people would just say it doesn't go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you spell it Y-U-G-O? Y-U-G-O. It's okay. the GV. It was imported to the United States in 1985. So this car, Thankfully. This car had been around for, for a while. And it met the needs of the. It, it came out of uh, Yugoslavia at the time. Ah, now I get why it's Soviet called Yugo. Okay. Actually, there is an argument that originally it was spelled with a J, and it was supposed to mean wind, but <laughs> they, they, they changed it and put a Y on it. So now it's Hugo from Yugoslavia, right? Uh, there are many ways that they could have gone. I'm glad they went away from the wind. All right, so this car gets imported to the U.S. in 1985, and it a becomes the cheapest car in America. Oh, and in the 80s, we loved that. Yeah, so we were transitioning, because in the 70s, of course, we had these big boats that took up oh, yeah. everything, right? So now we're starting to move into the uh, compact car kind of idea. Right, you need to park at the mall, so you need a smaller vehicle. Right. Uh, and with the, with the Hugo, you could take up two car spaces, or uh, you could take up half the car space that the Lincoln yeah. Continental next to you is, is taking, right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. So here's where we start into the issue, uh, issues, issues. issues that the Hugo had. First and foremost, it was, <laughs> it was built with 20-year-old Fiat technology. Wait, Yugoslavia? Don't steal from the Italians. <laughs> so this car is already basically the technology. From the 60s. Whatnot, yeah, is oh, already man. 20 years old. It was powered by a 55 horsepower. Ooh. Yeah. Real tough, right? Speedy. 1.1 1, <laughs> 1. 1 liter engine <laughs> put in the front of the car that, get this, the same space was shared by the spare tire. Oh, no. That's not enough room. And the spare tire was bigger. Oh, <laughs> so compact car indeed. Pretty small engine. Had some issues. <laughs> oh, some more some issues. Would, so some would argue though that it's not so much that the, the the issues of the car always breaking down is that people were not doing the proper maintenance. Well, some the would 80s. argue. Mm -mm. Some would argue that they thought it was just a throwaway car, and so they didn't have to do any maintenance. Wait, like a hot pocket? You just do what you need to with it, eat it, and then it's done. That's a that was an awful. That's comparison. a very interesting comparison, Hot but <laughs> I don't know why um, that happened. So, just as an example, the timing belt was due every forty thousand miles. That is probably one of the most frequent intervals I've ever seen in a car. Forty thousand miles. So you can imagine. That so wait. So every forty thousand miles, you had, you had to, to redo the, the timing, timing belt. belt. And okay, just for us dorky people who don't know the actual timing intervals for like our regular, just a sedan kind of car. What is that usually like? Eighty, hundred twenty. So, 
I would lump most of them in the 100,000 mile range. Ooh. Yeah, there are some that are at 60,000 miles. There were some Kias and some Hyundais that wanted you to do it 60,000 miles. Some okay, of them so are at 120,000 miles. This is like basically two and a half times more frequent. Okay, cool. The problem, though, is it's an interference engine, which means if the timing belt breaks, the engine goes kerplunk. Oh, like forever kerplunk? Yeah, pistons hit valves, and it's done. That No more. See you later. Celebrity deathmatch in your tiny engine with a spare tire. Another issue was that this car, being in the Yugoslavia, when it came over to North America, it had to meet North American standards. And at the... At the time, it needed to add a few things like reverse lights. Oh. (laughs) I was trying to imagine what sort of standards we really had in the 80s, but I get it now, yes. Reverse lights are important. Right. So they figured, oh, okay, let's just grab some fog lights and we'll mount them up behind the bumper. Because that's what you do. You don't don't design anything in the car. You just throw some fog lights on there and hook it up to a reverse light switch. I like it. Uh, another thing, they they built this car as cheaply as possible of because course. the idea was to sell it for as cheaply as right. possible, right? There's wiring exposed, but I'm sorry, this is this is America. We don't want to know how stuff works. You need to hide that wiring, right? At least duct tape <laughs> over it, please. Right. Um, the oh no, the tests that they run for car crashing, you know, those yes. standards that we have to meet. Yugo didn't do so so hot in those. Aw, yeah. the crash test dummies were dead. Yeah, so this was kind of a car that you did not want a, want to get into an accident. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say, this is the kind of car you did not want to get into. <laughs> <laughs> well, there there is that too. Um, so let me break down kind of what the factory conditions were like. When the, in Yugoslavia, in, in, in the yeah, Soviet when these were, Union, when these were built in the Yugoslavia, behind part of the, the Iron Union. Curtain. Um, this is from Patrick Foster, Old Cars Weekly. The problem in all this was that the Yugo suffered from a hornet's nest of quality problems. The factory itself was old and very dirty. the <laughs> The workforce was militant and how to put this, not of the highest caliber. Some Yugo America inspectors observed workers smoking on the assembly line. Ooh, naughty. Drinking shots of brandy while on their coffee break. (laughs) (laughs) And stepping in and out of cars on the line with greasy shoes, dirty uniforms. It's hard to get quality from intoxicated workers, especially when the plant itself is run down and filthy too. The Yugo was built down to a price, so the componentry was usually purchased solely based on the lowest price. Trim pieces fell off with shocking regularity <laughs> and breakdowns were not uncommon. So, that, so wait, so which is this Yugo the company or Yugo the car? So Yugo is both the company and the car. The, uh, I think so it's, how is it, is this the only car they did? No, they did a number of models. This was the GV that was important. Okay, so this is the GV. Okay, so this is the specific one that's just just not right. good. But everybody knows it as the Hugo or Hugo. Okay, so so I was just trying to get the idea of so the rest of their cars were okay if they stayed in Yugoslavia. Well, I <laughs> I don't think they were. Let's say publicized as much. So who knows? But then that's why there's that 
gray area of is this really a solid company? You just right? wanted to talk about this card. I had. I mean, I just wanted to bring up the Yugo right. because it's, keep going. It's it's it shocking. Of like the worst cars ever built, this one is on every list. Ticks all the it, boxes. Right. It's not necessarily always number one, or but it's usually typically well, no, in the top ten. Well, no, it can't 10. even win that list. <laughs> <laughs> all right, keep going. All right. So another article from, and this one's from Time Magazine. This is just a sum up. Um, this is what I'm giving you. We'll be done with this one, okay? No, there's too this much. Is, this says up. all you need to know about it, right? Okay. Malcolm Bricklin, he of Bricklin SV1. This is the guy that. Uh, imp- oh yeah, that guy. He's the guy that imported uh, all the Yugos to the United States. Oh, so okay? he he's the clever idea man. Yes. Thanks, Malcolm. Okay. Malcolm Bricklin. Wouldn't be satisfied until he had forced every American to walk to work. <laughs> <laughs> to that end, in 1985, he began importing the Yugo GV, which turned out to be the Mona Lisa of bad cars. Built in Soviet bloc Yugoslavia, the Yugo had the distinct feeling of something assembled at gunpoint. <laughs> Interestingly, in a car where carpet was listed as a standard feature, the Yugo had a rear window defroster, reportedly to keep your hands warm while you pushed it. Oh. (laughs) The engines went kablooey. The electrical system, such as it was, would sizzle, and things would just fall off. Yugo? Or not? Oh. Yeah, I that was a I, I that was a really good uh, summation I think for a, for this car. It's brutal, terrible, <laughs> just, terrible, just brutal. Review. All right, makes you want to run out and buy one, doesn't it? What? What? They have not survived <laughs> time. Surely no. not, right? Don't call me Shirley. All right, moving on to our next one. Do they get better or worse? Um, or they just they get are. they just they just get different. <laughs> <laughs> different is different, not better or worse. Right. Okay. So that was that was our car from the eighties. We're actually going to go back in time a little bit. Gonna go back. And in I'm going to give you a car from the sixties. Oh, okay. All right. This is the Chevy Corvair. Oh, Chevy, no. Right. Solid company. This car. Mm, let's dive in. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> All right. This car was first developed in 1960. It was in production until 1969. This is another compact car. It had a rear-mounted air-cooled engine. Think like 1970s Porsche, right? Where all the engines were in the rear or Volkswagen Beetles. They did this air-cooled engine in right. the rear. Um, it had a swing axle independent rear suspension. Now, I don't know what that means. We'll get into that. It's imp- it's important. That's it's why important. I bring it up. Yeah, it was available in a three speed manual trans- transmission or the two speed power glide transmission. Power glide. And it was Motor Trend's Car of the Year for 1960. What? Right? Motor Trend, get so, it together. So it's very because, promising, right? Well, time will out every time. <laughs> All right. So here is the first issue that we run into. The suspension design that we talked about, that swing axle independent rear suspension, it causes large changes in the rear camber. They call it rebound camber. (laughs) So during cornering, the tires actually fold in and they lose more contact with the road surface and it increases fishtailing. So you're going to take a corner 
maybe on a rainy day or a snowy day and you're going to you're going to oversteer like crazy. Oh my gosh. And part of the problem too is because remember this is a rear mounted engine. So oh we no, have so, so much heavy. weight yeah. in the rear, right? Uh, the problem most severe with the rear engine swing axle combinations was because of the greater inertial mass over the rear wheels, that, that engine, right? Mm -hmm. The higher center of gravity during rebound camber conditions. So this car was really hard to handle. And they had some, they had some ideas here. It, it wasn't just like they gave up, right? So... One production... Well, it was, yeah, there for nine years, so they must have tried to fix it. And one production options, the engineers had advocated, but management rejected the inclusion mm. of a front anti-roll bar on the original 1960 Corvair, which would have improved the car's handling. Nah, let's so, not do that. So engineers are like, hey, hey, we know this handling's gonna suck, but we got we got a way to fix it. Let's, let's do this. And management's like, all right, how much does that cost? What's gonna cost this? Nope. Back to the drawing board, Roger. <laughs> oh. uh, so what did what did they do? Uh, they instituted a cost-free measure. The Corvair engineers relied on a cost-free tire pressure differential to eliminate oversteer characteristics. Low front and high rear tire pressure, a strategy which induced understeer, was 18 psi in the front and 30 psi in the rear. Okay, so those owners that bought this car, it was in their owner's manual that stated the tire pressure needs to be set real low in the front and real high in the rear. Nobody even read, read the thing. Well, not only that, but <laughs> everyone who services these cars is going to put the same tire pressure right. in all around all. like every other car uh, in the market right now, right? So as soon as you go get your oil changed or get gas, because you remember they used to do full they used service. to do tire yeah. pressure, check your oil, all that stuff, right? So as soon as you go get gas, your tire pressure is already wrong, more, more than likely, because they're not going to notice that at 18 in the front and 30 in the rear. So there you go, you got your oversteer condition right back. Yay! Right. Uh, let's talk about how the pushrod O-rings in this thing leaked oil pretty bad. They were basically entirely inadequate to deal with the heat of this air-cooled engine. <laughs> so it leaked oil like crazy. Okay, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> DOT, the Department of Transportation, Thank you for that. issues a consumer protection bulletin about the Corvair's heating system pumping noxious fumes into the passenger compartment, <laughs> including carbon monoxide. It's a murder car. Yeah. This is not good. It was reported that people would get headaches when while, while Pass driving. Pass out while driving. No yeah. problem. No, it's fine. I'm fine, right? It's fishtail. Oh. Um, this one about sums it up, okay, about the Corvair. The first chapter of Ralph Nader's 1965 book was pretty much about the Chevy Corvair. And this mm. book was entitled unsafe at any speed <laughs> <laughs> whoops yeah so when this book came out it was highly popular and it really gave the corvair a bad name when did it come out uh 1960 the book came out oh no no i'm sorry the book came out in 1965 Oh, and they still produced that car for four more years, huh? Well, and they had fixed a lot of things, too. Okay. So they changed the suspension. They fixed that. 
they put the anti-roll bar in it. Oh! But by then the damage... Roger dam- finally yeah, got his way! The damage was done. This oh, car yeah. was just known as the death trap. One of the <laughs> things that uh, Ralph Nader had mentioned in the, in the chapter was about how the single-piece uh, steering shaft could impale the driver upon impact in a crash. Ooh, airbags. <laughs> Wait, remind me who Ralph Nader is again. Ralph Nader is a consumer advocate, uh, and he was basically responsible for all of the things that that in our like seatbelts and um, oh okay okay because all his those name's safety so familiar. Okay, yeah, well, thanks. And, and he went Ralph. on to do a lot of other things too, like write books that put coffin nails in cars. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, he basically destroyed the reputation of this car. So some notes that I, I that we do have to mention that the suspension was corrected in the later models. The O-rings that leaked oil like crazy can easily be re- replaced with better ones to fix that problem. Um, At added cost, though. And so Nader's book was refuted by tests done by the National Highway Transportation and Safety um, Association concluding that it was really no more unsafe than other compact cars on the road. So either that means either that means the Corvair wasn't as bad as he said it was, or it means every other compact car on the road was just as bad. Just as bad. I want to know who wrote that, though. It was probably, like, Chevy. No, it was the NHTSA. Mm-hmm. Sponsored by Chevy. <laughs> I know how this works. I've seen those pharmaceutical companies. So the Chevy Corvair... May it rest in peace. Had some issues. 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 All right. That brings me to my last one. Oh, last, but probably least. And this one is actually a car from our century. Oh, ooh. Yeah, right? (laughs) We're giving you the Pontiac Aztec. Oh, no. (laughs) This car was built from 2001 to 2005. Wait, I'm so sorry. Isn't Pontiac their tagline, we build excitement? Well, it was. Did I just remember that? (laughs) You did. Wow. Advertising, you work. Okay. (laughs) But the Aztec is not exciting. I don't feel like. Let's put it this way. Mm -hmm. Um, This is the car that basically put the final nails in Pontiac's coffin. Aww. Yeah. This was supposed to be GM's, because of course Pontiac is owned is a part of General Motors. Mm-hmm. This was supposed of to course. be GM's way to save Pontiac. The Aztec was? Yes. Oh guys. What was happening was is they had brandy at their coffee break. <laughs> Maybe they did. <laughs> what was happening was we're transitioning from sedans to all these crossover oh, yeah. vehicles and SUVs. Mom vehicles, right? Yeah, for sure. Um so unlike the other cars, the other two cars that we talked about, the Pontiac Aztec didn't really have a lot of reliability issues. It had GM's tried and tested true engine, the 3.4 liter, that they put in a lot of their cars. So it wasn't, the, the issue with this car was not mechanical, not unreliability. <laughs> and they were trying to go with what the trends were, okay. Unfortunately, the problem with this car was just so ugly. <laughs> It was so ugly. It's really bad. I still bad. see them. Um, and the reason for this is they decided to the, design this car by what you call design by committee. Mm. So rather than have one person in charge of the overall design to give it fluidity, they had several people knock, uh, knocking Paper? their... Peeper? Several people knocking their heads together to try to make this car work. 
Now, the original design was called the Bear Claw Aztec. <laughs> and if you see pictures of it, it actually looks pretty sharp. Um, but the original design had been tweaked, altered, messed with. They, they did some cost cutting. They had to change some stuff. And to be honest with you, is a real clear-cut case of too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Yeah. They spelled it wrong, too. I don't like that. Oh, with the K? Yeah. Um, I'm a New Mexico girl. I have opinions about that. <laughs> so the styling problem, <laughs> I'm just going to give you some of the some of the quotes and comments from people when this car was re- uh, revealed. I love okay? quotes by people. Former General Motors executive Bob Lutz described it as resembling an angry kitchen appliance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not what you want. Autoblog listed the Aztec as number two on its list of the 20 dumbest cars of all time. (laughs) The Los Angeles Times named the Aztec the worst car ever sold in America. Dang. CNBC listed the Aztec as one of the 10 ugliest cars of all time. Wow. This is... This is... Brutal. Feeling real bad. If If the Aztec was in high school... Yeah. Not get asked, asked to prom oh, at no. all. No, not at all. Edmunds.com ranked the Aztec as the worst car of all time. Okay, so everybody, it's of all time. This is... <laughs> it's bad, right? Wow. Uh, quote, this is Edmunds.com, quote, Drive one and you quickly realize that the Aztec exterior design is its best feature. It's the very worst car of all time because it's the only car on the list to kill an 84-year-old car company. Unquote. Oh, no! That's a lot of responsibility! Right. Yeah. So, due to the budget constraints, the the original Bear Claw design, uh, the concept Aztec, it had to be moved to a minivan chassis. And that just created all kinds of problems. This was the Chevy Venture or the Pontiac Montana. These were minivans. So the original design that was meant for an entirely different chassis, they had to cripple the design, just crunch it all together. And the result was a, a mashed together SUV on a Pontiac Montana chassis. And it was it was just it was just hideous. We're gonna have some pictures of this, right? So we can kind of of all of the cars, clearly, but we oh, need, yeah. we need the difference between the bear claw. And uh, I'll get you. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll throw some pictures up on Instagram so you can take a look and at the these. Facebooks. So GM needed to sell thirty thousand of these to break even. <laughs> that, oh, Just wow. to break even, not to okay. make any money, right? What in their in their best selling year, which was two thousand two? Wait, how many years did it sell for? I'm sorry. Uh, they they, they nixed it in 05. So two, so it started in two thousand and two thousand and one. So four years. Yeah. And it's in 2002, their best selling year, they needed to sell 30,000. They sold 27,793. So almost 2,800. Okay. So they were almost there. That was their best selling year, though. Did they need 30,000 overall or 30,000 a year? They needed 30,000 a year to break even, just to break even. Yeah. One thing I will add, which I'm sure some of you are wondering if I'm even going to mention this. In 2008, there was a very popular series called Breaking Bad. Yes! (laughs) And if you remember, Walter White drove a puke green Pontiac Aztec. And I got to say that 
if this show would have come out like in 2003, that alone might have saved GM. Because I'm willing to bet people would be, it would have popularized the car, right? You want, you want. But unfortunately. like crime vehicle. (laughs) Unfortunately, even Walter White couldn't resurrect one of GM's most significant names, Pontiac. May you rest in peace. That was very dramatic. I know. It's a very dramatic ending. Well, my heartstrings have been tugged. It's it's terrible because Pontiac brought us the Firebird, you know, the we, GTO. We build excitement. <laughs> and now I can hear the song. I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love. I mean, guys, we all make mistakes. We do. Some of them are just deadly to our entire company. Unfortunately, though, this one is just so bad because what I what I didn't tell you is they did a whole bunch of focus groups, and <laughs> the, all the focus groups were like, "Are you crazy? This this thing is hideous. Why would you build this?" And they went ahead and built it anyway. Some guy was like, "I had a dream, and this is what the creature in it looked like." I will <laughs> bear witness. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I'm liking these. So I think people should send us ideas for other cars we could talk about a little bit. Yeah, you go know, back good and company and just, just not their finest work. Yeah. Go back and listen to episode 35 if you yeah. want to hear some more. Heather does some really great ones in that one. Mm. Without further ado, <laughs> apparently we were just yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I've, I'm exhausted from uh, just the emotional. The roller coaster we yeah. just went on. I, I know. I feel it. I feel those feelings in my heart. <laughs> you feel the feels? Yeah. You know what would make me also feel feels? Is if we could get some nice reviews. Yes. And if people would subscribe to us and pass us along and tell everybody how much they love us. As you all know, the review the reviews is the only way we get uh, more people to listen to this podcast. Yeah. So please take some time to do that for us. That would be so amazing. And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you know where to find us at Shonado. That's S-C-H-O-E-N. We're also on Instagram. You can find us at our website, www.shonado.com. And on Facebook, of course. Of course, because we're old. We're not on MySpace, are we? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shh. Don't tell anyone. Our only friend is Tom. <laughs> and All on right. that note. Until next time. Have a lovely week. <laughs>